1 Corinthians 16, 9 says, For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. And so we see tonight that opportunity often comes with oppositions, and opportunities comes with adversaries. But with God's help and with His Holy Spirit power, and with His man, with His word, with the gospel, we have all we need to do the ministry God's called us to do. And so tonight, if you're writing, first of all, we see the obscure prophet, the obscure a prophet. The word obscure can also mean mystical, the mystical prophet. And we see in verse number six, and when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos. So we see they've gone through. That means to pass through. That means to move through an area and really go all the way through. And Brother Cole, do we have that map tonight? And uh, if we can put that map up there. So, of course, the map I showed on Wednesday night, which I am kind of uh, continuing on, um, kind of building on what we laid on Wednesday night. Uh, there, but you're not going to not be able to get through the message tonight if you didn't hear on Wednesday night. But I do challenge you to go back and listen to it, kind of have a little bit more of a foundation. But the map I gave kind of showed his first missionary journey and how he, they ended up leaving uh, Antioch and going to Salamis there and starting. But you can see the map and you see all these little gray lines. And when, when the Bible says they went through, it doesn't necessarily mean they went to every single person. That would have been near impossible. But they went to every synagogue in the island. If you remember what I talked about on Wednesday, that many of the Jews came uh, from years before and kind of settled there in Cyprus and became very successful, but they built synagogues, and those synagogues were there to kind of keep the, create the community and kind of keep the Jewish culture. And so Paul naturally would go to each one of those uh, synagogues, and you kind of see a map of how he went to all those, and he ends up from Salamis all the way to Paphos. So really he's gone the whole length of the island. And Ralph Wilson says, going first to the Jewish community, which of course he says in Romans, he goes to the Jew first and then to the Greek, is Paul's strategy. If Paul had first preached to the Gentiles in an area, the Jews would have rejected him out of hand. But by preaching first in the synagogue, he has a chance to win a few key Jews. And oftentimes, Paul actually led devout Jews to Christ. But uncircumcised Gentile God-fearers would often attend the synagogue, as I've preached before, and these men oftentimes would come to Christ even more easily than key Jewish leaders. And then, eventually, they'd get expelled from the synagogue. The Jews would finally say, Paul, we're done hearing from you. And so he'd take those people he'd led to Christ, and then he would network through with them to get more contacts, and then, of course, start a church from it. And it was really a brilliant strategy, a brilliant plan, and it worked very effectively. But there came a time where Paul really ministered to more Gentiles than he ever would Jews. But at this particular time, starting off, his first real ministry is when he is coming here throughout the Jewish synagogues here in Cyprus. And the Bible says he went through. And it's interesting that Luke actually uses that word through in Luke 2.35. And keep in mind, Luke is the author of Acts. And he uses the word through, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. And so when he went through, not only did they go to all the synagogues, but they also preached the gospel of God, of uh, the gospel uh, uh, of the word of God, and it penetrated hearts. And may I say the gospel does penetrate hearts. And it gets through. And so we see they're preaching, not only are they going, but they're also preaching the gospel. And when you go... And when you share the gospel, great things will happen, as we experience even today. And so the Bible also says in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and joints tomorrow, and of the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so, as Paul and Barnabas go from all these synagogues, as they start teaching people and preaching the word of God, the gospel starts penetrating, and naturally people start being receptive to the gospel. And as you can see from the map there, they covered the whole island. So naturally, people started noticing and hearing about it. Even the governor or deputy, as the Bible says, of Cyprus. But before he even says, the Bible says in verse 6, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bargesus. Now, in Bargesus, Aramaic is Elamus, which we read a little bit ago. And it literally means son of Jesus, or son of salvation. And it opposes a very ironic thing, that Jesus is the son of God who alone brings salvation. And so this false prophet takes this Jewish connotation, and takes Jesus and says, I'm Bar-Jesus, the son of Jesus, but in all reality he was teaching exact opposite of what the gospel really teaches. Jack Arnold says, Hebrew culture, to call yourself the son of someone, was to designate yourself his follower. So he claimed to be a follower of Jesus, but he absolutely taught contrary to what Jesus taught. John MacArthur says, sorcerer was well-versed in astronomy, astrology, agriculture, mathematics, and history. Very, very brilliant man. Very well-learned. And so, obviously, he wasn't just a magician, just wasn't a false prophet. He was a very intelligent man. In fact, they could interpret dreams. And we know that from Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. Of course, the um, astrologers and all that was called in. And by the way, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't just being a cruel king, saying, you better tell me or else I'll kill you. That was something he was used to. The rulers, uh, the leaders were used to hearing dreams being interpreted. And so, no accident that this man attached himself to the Roman proconsul because these magicians were so powerful, no, uh, no Persian ruler came to power without their approval. So keep in mind, these guys were, were kind of on a, a higher pedestal even than the rulers. And so wherever these guys were, they were the ones kind of making decisions and kind of controlling what is happening. So we see they are influencing those who rule. Daniel 10, 13, Daniel talks about this. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. So much, much of the evil in this world was influenced by these very men like Bar-Jesus. So, of course, the gospel is spreading. Paul and Barnabas are getting around, making their case known, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see they eventually get to some opposition. Of course, much of the world, much of the evil in this world can be traced to the same influence. We know what Ephesians six twelve says, do we not? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Even today, we have cults that have mixed much error with a little truth. And are cults because they deny the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Just to name a few, the Mormons, Jehovah's Witness. Unitarians, Christian science, witchcraft, Satanism, Scientology, and and the list goes on. They take just a little bit of truth and they sound good, but at the end of the day, they're actually false teachers. False prophets are not just wrong, but they're dangerous. And we must be careful not to expose our minds to them. Because the battle is not necessarily physical, oftentimes 
it's spiritual in the mind. And so we see the obscure prophet, as Paul and Barnabas go through the whole land, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, they start to get some opposition. And so, even though there's opposition, there's also opportunity. So number two, if you're writing tonight, we see the opportunity from the deputy. Of course, the deputy is also another name for proconsul, another name for governor, and uh, he was the highest form of government and the ruler of this island. The Bible says in verse 7, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man. So this man, not only was he in control, but he was very intelligent. He was understanding. The Bible even calls him prudent. He was able to see various aspects of things that could, happen, could potentially happen. Therefore, he made a great leader. Not just a, any old leader, but a leader of the whole island. And one of the most profitable islands in the Roman Empire. And so it was a very important island. And this man has come into leadership. Many opponents of Christianity make the accusation that the good news of the gospel is only welcomed by those of the lower social class. But we find here that Sergius Paulus proves different. Aren't you thankful tonight the gospel is for everyone? Rich, poor, simple, wise. We're excited to see the gospel changing lives, even with children, simple people, wealthy people. It doesn't matter. The gospel is available to all men. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. In fact, what's interesting here, we talked about Cornelius a couple weeks ago. This is a very similar story Cornelius had with uh, uh, Sergius Paulus. Both of these men seemingly had everything they needed to be happy. They had wealth, they had leadership, they had prestige, they had uh, uh, everything they wanted. But they still were searching for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these were intensely superstitious times, Barclay says, and most great men kept private wizards, fortune tellers for magic or for spells. Elimus here, uh, his name is Arabic for skillful one. He started seeing as he asked for Paul and Barnabas to come, as we'll see in just a second, that, hey, wait a minute here. We don't want these two men here. My job might be <laughs> up for grabs. And so what does he do? Well, he doesn't give in. He opposes. And uh, we see uh, Jack Arnold says, Sergius Paulus had all the qualities which are supposed to make people happy. He, of course, would have known all the Greek and Roman philosophies, many religions, but none of these things solved the problem of the heart. Isn't that happening even in our culture, our world today? People are searching. They're trying everything. But at the end of the day, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer. And so we see uh, even Romans. Paul alludes to the Romans. There is none who seeks for God. Yet, this man summons Paul and desires to hear the word of God. As we go about living our life, may we look for lost people. May we intentionally go. Not just as we go. May we intentionally go and look for people who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, yesterday I went out for a while and I decided I was going to talk to ten, go until I talked to ten people. And I did. I did not get to give the gospel to anyone, but I was able to invite many people to church and several people seemed interested. Some days you go and the first person you talk to says, what must I do to be saved? You know? Some days you go forever and ever and still not reach anyone. But that doesn't change the fact that people need to hear about Jesus. And we must continually go and share the gospel. And so in verse number 7, as we go on, the Bible says, He, 
who, as Sergius Paulus, called for Barnabas and Saul, desired to hear the word of God. The word called here conveys the word uh, that this was more of an official manner. This wasn't, hey, hello, Paul and Barnabas, would you please come over here? No, this was official. This was a command. I don't know about you. That's one reason why I wouldn't mind being summoned to the government. Could you imagine? Our governor, Keenan Kotek, calling me up. Pastor Justin Lehman, yes. Will you come tomorrow to the Capitol building and tell me about the Jesus Christ? I don't know about you, but I would probably, most definitely say, of course I would, you know. And Paul and Barnabas here isn't necessarily a request. This is, hey, you better come. And here's why you're going to come. You're going to tell me about Jesus. And so we see John Piper says these missionaries are absolute nobodies in the Roman world. They have no human authority. They have no political standing. They have no world ecclesiastical body behind them. They are unknowns. But yet they're called by God, sent by God, and now God is orchestrating a hearing with the governor of the whole island of Cyprus. So we see the Holy Spirit, if you remember, on Wednesday night, he's kind of pulling them this way, he's sending them. And now, after they've gone through the whole island, of course, maybe Paul's wondering, okay, what was the full purpose of this? At the very last city, they get called upon to come and share the gospel with the governor. Of course, with this great opportunity, with this obscure prophet, comes the opposition. So number three, if you're writing tonight, we see the opposition of the false prophet. Verse number eight, Belamus, the sorcerer, for so is his name, by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. This is a very interesting contrast here. The Bible says there, but is, of course, the contrast. Someone said, when you open heaven, you also open hell. The gospel which could save Sergius, in verse number seven, was called upon to be given by Paul and Barnabas. In fact, that same gospel is Ephesians 1.13. After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So we see that the invitation, and then we see the opposition in verse 8. See, Sergius Paulus wanted to be influenced with the word of God. Eliminus says, no, you don't want this. And he attempts to dissuade Sergius Paulus. The Bible says, withstood them. This is in the imperfect tense. Now, I'm not a huge Greek scholar, or I'm sorry, English major, but I do know enough about English that the imperfect tense means it's happened more than once. And so, Sergius Paulus probably is trying to turn them away several times here. And so, we see this is similar to the parable of the soils, is it not? The seed of the Word of God is put out there, and the birds come and pick it up. And the devil, of course, is that, trying to take away the seed. And, but some fall on good ground. And, of course, become very productive. Eliminus is a child of the devil. We see that in chapter 13, verse 10. Paul calls him that. He's doing his father's work in the heart of Sergius Paulus. Now, what's interesting here is Sergius Paulus is a very intelligent man. So you would wonder if, why would he fall for the hoodwink why would he fall for the magician magist- or tricks of this false prophet? Well, Paul says, one should not be altogether surprised that a Roman official could be hoodwinked by such a figure. Romans put great stock in powers of divination and even had their own sacred oracles. So most likely Sergius Paulus has grown up all his life 
being under this influence. And so perhaps being in, of royalty or perhaps being of leadership, and he's been, he's been trained, he's been taught this. This is a part of his life. And so uh, some of us want to look at this and say, why would you fall for that? But that's all he knew. And so when he hears this, it's, it's very interesting to him, and he's wrestling with it. By the way, Bar-Jesus was smooth and highly knowledgeable, and he has Jewish credentials. So, of course, that even confuses Sergius Paulus even more. Then the Bible says there, turn away. Turn away is diastrapho in the Greek, which is a twisting or a bending out of shape. And it also means, a Greek would use this word to describe a piece of pottery that a careless craftsman had misshaped and then thrown into the fire, and then it hardened and then it dried. And it was like, oh, this is never going to be used again, and perhaps it was cast away. Uh, I, I like to illustrate it this way. Uh, ladies, maybe you know this more than us men, but I have learned this much about my wife has been very uh, 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 stern with me. If I ever get a stain on my shirt and it gets in the washer and it has not come out clean, do not throw it in the dryer. You ladies know what I'm talking about. If it gets in the dryer, it's forever on there. And, uh, and so that's what happens here. This Greek word, turn away, is really, Bar-Jesus is actually going to take a piece of clay or a shirt that has a stain on it or whatever fits your mind right now that you can think about this, and he is actually making it useless by turning it away from the gospel. Now that is why false prophets, who take a little bit of truth and then add it to other things, is so dangerous. Because they can totally take an innocent mind, child, teenager, even a new Christian, and totally warp them, and eventually confuse them so much they become useless even. So may we be very careful as leaders not to turn away those we influence from the Word of God. And we be very careful when we influence and teach people the doctrines of God's Word and what our church holds to. We do it in the right manner. Because if we lead people astray, it can, it can harm them. And so we see here today Bar-Jesus is doing the exact opposite of what Barnabas and Saul are trying, Paul are trying to accomplish. And of course, because of that, we see opposition, and Paul says, okay, we've we got to do something about this. I mean, Sergius Paulus' soul is, in, is, is, is out here, and it will be affected if someone doesn't do something. So we see, number four, the order of Paul, the order of Paul. And the Bible says in verse 9, Then Saul, who also was called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. And so we see evil spirit versus the Holy Spirit. And essentially, there'll be no contest. Now, the Bible says then. So we see another contrast here. So the first contrast was, here we have Paul and Silas preaching the truth, and Lamanus is totally opposing the truth. The next contrast we have is, one, it's filled with the Holy Ghost, and then look at verse number 10, and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief. So one is full of the Holy Ghost. The other one is full of subtlety and mischief, which is, in other words, are deceit and fraud. So look at that. There's no middle ground. It's either you're full of one thing or you're full of another thing. So we see another contrast here. 
And the word full here means abounding, of a surface, covering every part. In fact, Luke uses the word full again in Luke 5.12 when he says full of leprosy. In other words, it had totally consumed them. Lemonus is full of deceit and fraud. And Saul and Paul and Barnabas are filled with the Holy Ghost. Not just filled upon salvation, which we understand when we get saved, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. He indwells us. But it was more than that. It's as Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. May I encourage us today not just to get saved. Praise the Lord, once we're saved, we're always saved. But may we desire to be filled with the Spirit. May we desire to have a walk with God. And so one is filled with the Holy Ghost. The other one is full of deceit. Deceit is dolos, which means to catch with bait. Literally, it means a fish hook, a trap, or a trick. All various forms of deception. And so one is full of the Holy Ghost. The other one is full of deceit and fraud. In fact, G. Campbell Morgan says this about Paul. He described Elamus in character. Then he described his sin. Luke gives a secret for all effective spiritual ministry. He says you must be full reliance upon enabling power of the Holy Spirit. And so we see this evening that we must be filled. Paul was undoubtedly filled with the faith like Stephen had. We see later Barnabas was filled with Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost and faith. And one is full of faith in the Spirit. There is no reason to fear the forces of darkness. Now, why is that possible? Because we're somebody special? No. Because I believe what the Bible says in 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Romans eight thirty seven. you know this verse. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. 1 John 3, 8, he that committed sin is of the devil. Of course, which was Elimus here. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For the purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Aren't you thankful tonight that we have the power of God and that God's desire was to destroy the works of the devil? I think I know which side I want to be on. Romans 16, 20, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. So can you imagine the setting? It's like a shootout at the OK Corral. You have Lamus here saying, Hey, no, don't you dare come to Sergius Paulus. Not just one time, multiple times. And then you have Paul and Barnabas says, You're full of deceit and fraud. Subtlety and mischief. <laughs> no, we're not going to have this. And so we see an eyeball-to-eyeball confrontation. We see a head-to-head, face-to-face. Can you imagine? Can you get the picture? Jack Arnold said, Paul and Barnabas were the best specimens God could set forth to be bearers of the good news. Elamus was the best specimen Satan could offer to oppose the gospel of Christ. And Sergius Paulus was the best specimen the world could offer. And his soul hung in the balance. Who's going to win? Well, when spirit-filled men and women proclaim the gospel, they have not only the supernatural power of the spirit in Acts 1.8, but the power of the gospel. May I encourage us to be encouraged with that truth when we witness? We have the Holy Spirit power, but we also have the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul here rebukes Lamus, who was filled with Satan. Of course, he goes on in verse number 10. 
Wilt thou not cease to pervert the ways, the right ways of the Lord? So he asked Lamus this question. Will you cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? What does that mean? Well, I definitely know that Lamus was doing it the wrong way. So what is the right way? Well, John 14, 6. Jesus, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He says again in Matthew 7, Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go under at. Narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And then he said, pervert the ways of the Lord. Do you remember the ways of the Lord? Isaiah references it. John the Baptist references it. They prepared the ways of the Lord. Back in those days when a king or someone would come, they'd go through all the trails and they'd pull a big rocks out and they'd cover the potholes and they'd try to make it as even and as smooth as possible. Why? The king was coming. Isn't that why John the Baptist preached repentance? He was preparing the way of the Lord. The Bible says in verse number 11, of course, Paul and Barnabas, I, I meant to say this, I bid said this, Paul and Barnabas are clearing the way of the obstacles to Christ for Sergius Paulus. Eliminus is trying to keep those things in there. And so we see a battle going on. In verse number 11, And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee. Can you imagine here the irony? Here's again another contrast. Eliminus is trying to use his hand to keep Sergius Paulus from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul and Barnabas says, Hey, you going to try to stop someone? How about the hand of the Lord come upon you? We see Elaminus, who was in spiritual darkness, darkness already, was put in the physical darkness in order that he might turn to Christ. So what does Paul say in verse 11? And thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. Now what's interesting here, that I didn't pick this up the first time I read it, but the fact that it says not for a season, and this shows the mercy of God. Did not Paul also not be able to see for a season? And he probably was the worst possible uh, uh, human being ever. And now Paul, in his first missionary journey, his first really big miracle God allows him to do, is the very thing that got him to turn to Jesus Christ. And so we see here in Acts 9-8, And Saul rose from the earth, And when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. So, of course, uh, the mist comes in verse number 11. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. We see the mist comes first. It's kind of a clouding look. And then darkness comes. He can't see anything. And the Bible says there in verse 11, And he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. But no one wanted to help him. May I say, that is what happens when you lead people astray. Whenever you need help, there's no one there to help you. I'm thankful tonight for Jesus Christ, who still gave this man mercy. And perhaps maybe by blinding him, it also turned him back to Jesus Christ. We do not know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I can only wonder. If one wonders why the Holy Spirit filled Paul rather than Barnabas, we see because Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. Jack Arnold said the first time Paul used the sign gifts of the first century apostles was here. These gave apostles the authority they needed to be obeyed. Uh, 
Remember, only the apostles had power to act in judgment like this. This is not something any Christian can do today or that any group of Christians can do. We can't do what Paul did then. Herbert Lockyer said the display of such power was not an act of Paul, but of God. Perhaps maybe you're sitting there today saying, oh man, I wish I could do what Paul did. Well, may I encourage us that we still have the Holy Spirit that can still prove helpful in our lives. Acts 4.31, the Spirit enabled the disciples to speak the word with boldness. The Bible says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Though we cannot blind people with what we say, though we cannot cause people to have whatever you want to call it, we can have the Holy Spirit to help us in our daily lives. Just like Holy Spirit filled them and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Have you ever felt a little sheepish? Maybe you felt a little weak, a little timid. And then all of a sudden you felt like you said something that God used and it helped turn someone to Christ. And you're sitting there thinking, wow, where'd that come from? Well, the Holy Spirit gave you boldness. The Spirit enabled Stephen to die a martyr's death. You remember when Stephen is dying? The Bible says in Acts 7.55, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. As Stephen is dying, he has a smile and a bright, shining look on his face, which no doubt caused Paul to get so upset that he kicked against the pricks, as we say in just a few verses later. And so we see the Holy Spirit not only gives us boldness, but he also helps us to be strengthened and be as bold as lions. Peter, you remember? He trembled before the maid, denied Christ three times. A few months later, he's bold as a lion when he's strengthened by the Spirit. I'm thankful today for the Holy Spirit enabling us with boldness, giving us that ability to face suffering, but also the Spirit enabled Barnabas to rejoice greatly at the good work done by the Grecians at Antioch in Acts 11, verse 24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit enabled Paul all throughout his journeys in Acts 26, 22. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great. It is impossible to follow out all the marvelous ways in which the Spirit strengthens the saints. But I'm thankful today to say the Holy Spirit still is alive and well. He wants to use us. He wants to give us boldness. He wants to give us strength. He wants to give us the words to say. He wants to open doors for us. Though sometimes we wish we could do what Paul did, some of the apostles did, leave that up to God. But let's just be faithful to do what God's called us to do. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and allowing God to work through us. Which brings us to number five as we close. The opening of the deputy's eyes. Look at verse 12. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, now the deputy, the governor, has a decision to make. He, of course, is the supreme and highest authority in Roman government here on this island. Will he choose to stay with what has been an influence to him all these years? He's leaned heavily on Bar-Jesus, Lamus. He's leaned heavily on whatever he suggested and whatever he said. And now he sees 
Paul and Barnabas come and share the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he sees a miraculous thing happen before him. The very person who was trying to lead him astray is now blind, and then the person who's trying to tell him the truth is now there to help him see the light. Well, the Bible says in verse 12, he believed, being astonished, not at the miracle. What was he astonished at? The doctrine of the Lord. Of course, God used the miracle to help him, to help the apostle to be validated in front of him. But he used the doctrine of the word of God to help change his heart. May I say today, there's nothing flashy we can do. We can have big days, we can have big promotions, we can do all we can, but at the end of the day, the Word of God is what will change hearts. We must be faithful to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In these early days of the spread of the gospel, God often used miracles to confirm the authenticity of His message, messengers and His message. The miracles themselves were not intended to save because no one can be saved except for the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, we see the doctrine of the Lord. When we preach or teach, we need to make sure it is of the Lord. In John 15, 5, for without me, ye can do nothing. Years ago, a father wanted to read the paper, but was being bothered by his little daughter, Vanessa. Finally, he tore a sheet out of the back of the magazine, and he ripped it up in a bunch of pieces, and he says, here, Find out how to put it back together. He thought, that will keep her busy for a while. Well, a few minutes later, she brought back the piece of paper, and it had a map of the world. And she said, I have it all put together. He says, how in the world did you do it? Oh, she said, on the other side of the paper was a picture of Jesus. When I got Jesus in his place, then the world came out all right. I couldn't help but reading that this week. I thought, that's what Sergius Paulus figured out. When he got Jesus in place, it all made sense. And his world was turned upside down. But I have a feeling the world that he lived in was turned upside down as well. By the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Kent Hughes says this, Sir William Ramsey reports that inscriptions bearing Sergius Paulus' name have been found on Cyprus, confirming that he was a Christian and that his entire family became Christians. In fact, his daughter was a Christian, as her son Gaius Caratinus Fonto, who ended up being a Roman senator and influencing many for the cause of Christ. I think maybe it's all gone full circle for Paul and Barnabas. Knowing Paul, he would have shared the gospel no matter if anything happened at all. But now he sees why the Holy Spirit wanted them there so bad. And he was willing to take a stand and stand for truth, but boldly share the gospel. And because of that, God used it to impact a whole country, a whole island, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in conclusion today, with whom do you identify in this story? Paul and Barnabas? They were veteran Christians. If that's you... Just continue spreading the gospel, continue training young Christians, and be willing to stand for truth even when evil comes our way. Maybe you're more like Lamus, Bar Jesus. I doubt there's many, if any, in here tonight. 
But if you've perverted the gospel or you oppose Christ and his kingdom by mixing a little truth with error, may I encourage you to keep sound doctrine and keep close to God and his word. And then third of all, maybe you're Sergius Paulus. Maybe you're seeking truth. Maybe you have position. Maybe you have possessions. Maybe you have prestige. But maybe you don't have any inner soul contentment. May I encourage you to come to Jesus Christ today. He wants to save you. Every head bowed, every eye closed this evening. What will you do with the message tonight? As we look at Paul and Barnabas being faithful. Maybe there's just a few people tonight that need to commit to keep being faithful to loving people, sharing the gospel, discipling, and be willing to stand up for truth even in the evil day we live in. My dear friend, I'll be honest with you, we're in the Northwest. Sometimes you can just feel opposition, oppression. But I believe with all my heart that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And we must be willing to stand strong for the, the, for the cause of the Christ, for the gospel. Maybe tonight you're like Lamus or Bar-Jesus. I, I don't think there's anyone like that here tonight. Maybe there is. May I encourage you to stand firm on, on, the, on the word of God and not mix it with other things. Maybe you're a Sergius Paulus. Maybe tonight, on a Sunday night service, you say, Pastor Justin, I'm searching for Jesus. I'm searching, and tonight I realize that Jesus is a true way, and I want Jesus in my life. I want to accept Christ as my Savior. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I will not embarrass you. But how many would tonight say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I need Jesus in my heart. Would you just slip up your hand real quick? I want to pray for you. Anybody tonight? Say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. Well, let me encourage you to get it like Sergius Paulus and let it influence those who are around you like it did him. May you impact another generation for Christ. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you for loving us. You're a great God. And Lord, I appreciate this passage of Scripture, Lord, as I wrestled through it this week. Where we see Paul and Barnabas, Lord, several contrasts. They wanted to point people to the light. We see uh, Bar-Jesus wanted to point people away from the light. The other contrast we saw was Paul and Barnabas was filled with the Holy Ghost. Bar-Jesus was full of deceit and fraud, subtlety and mischief. Or the third contrast we saw was one who had pointed people away from the light is now without light and searching for someone to help him. And Lord, if he just would have turned to Jesus, he wouldn't have had to worry about that. May we keep our eyes on you. May we keep you and your light shining brightly inside of us so we can impact this world for Christ. Lord, I pray you'll challenge our heart like you'd have us to do tonight. May we respond to the message as you'd have us to. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can stand to your feet tonight, the piano's playing. And as the piano plays, the altar is open. Maybe God's touched your heart tonight. Maybe tonight you'd like to stay there in your pew and pray. And maybe others would like to have someone pray with them. I'd love for you to come forward tonight. Maybe you'd like to follow Lord in baptism or maybe join the church or maybe interested in discipleship or maybe the Lord's pricked your heart for that next step. Maybe he's pricked your heart to remain, remain faithful and remain going. Even though you're going all over Cyprus, it seems like, 
There's a reason. God may have a pathos. He might have a Sergius Paulus for you to tell about Jesus. Maybe you need to influence more for the cause of Christ, as Sergius Paulus did. Paul reached him. He in tune was able to reach his family and several generations. And I'm sure he impacted many lives around him in that area. May I encourage you to respond as God would have you to tonight. God bless you. You may be seated. And we have a video we're going to share with you uh, tonight. I also want to encourage you, um, I believe it may be in the video, I'm not sure, but uh, there's a benefits concert here in a couple weeks. Um, The Grandview Christian Academy is going to put it together, put it on for us. But this is a little fundraising um, thing we have for the fall. I want to encourage you to pray about being a part of that tonight. Don't miss our special Thanksgiving lunch Friday, November 10th at noon with all the fixings at the church. The cost is $10, so bring a friend and come enjoy a special time of fellowship. To sign up for this and all other Best Years Club activities, check the sign-up sheets on the welcome desk. Join us next Sunday as we will be observing the Lord's Supper in the 5 p.m. service. Join us on Veterans Sunday on November 12th. We will have patriotic music and take time to recognize each veteran in our service. Every veteran in attendance will receive a special gift. Grandview Christian Academy will be holding a special benefits concert on Tuesday, November 28th at 7 p.m. Come support our fall fundraiser as we enjoy the musical performance from our students. Don't miss our pie and pray service on Wednesday, November 22nd at 7 p.m. Come enjoy a slice of pie as we celebrate all that we have to be thankful for this year. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you'll receive a gift card. Have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7. Man, God, great week. Please know God loves you and this pastor loves you, our staff does. Take care, be safe as you travel home. You are dismissed. Mm-hmm.